Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to hear some of the guests, some of the shows that have been featured on JM in the AM. We start this week with Baruch Levine out with a brand new album entitled Pedusra. He joined us to discuss the album and a whole bunch of other things, including what's happening up in Waterbury, Connecticut. Baruch Levine on this edition of JM Rewind right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Baruch Levine, as we've been telling you, is our guest in the 8 o'clock hour. He is standing by as we get set to introduce the brand new album, Pedusra, to this amazing and incredible audience. We will uh, speak with Baruch Levine coming up just as soon as we hear the title track to the brand new album. It's a new Music Alert Tuesday with Reb Baruch Levine. The album is entitled Pedusra, and you are listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. It's called Pedusha. It's the title track to the brand new album as Yochi Briskman presents Baruch Levine. Rabbi Baruch Levine, welcome back to J.M. in the A.M. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Great to be with you. Now, let me explain. Uh, while we very often will insist that someone actually be here live in studio for a new music alert day, Rabbi Baruch Levine, if I'm not mistaken, you spend the bulk of your days up in Waterbury, Connecticut. Would that be accurate? Correct, but you are you are most worthy to travel to. However, my <laughs> class starts at nine o'clock. I'm sitting in my classroom right now, and you know, waiting for the Talmudian to come in. So, any you know, but any other any other reason, I, I'm with you. So I, I told you the next next snow day, I'm going to get in my SUV and um, and spend and the morning with you. and spend the morning with me, right? <laughs> That's it. Listen, so so your morning basically, and not to minimize it, it it's it's quite a morning for anybody who's able to do this. Your, your morning generally, uh, at least five days a week, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, is uh, mm-hmm. is minion in the morning, and then waiting for your talmidim and starting to to teach them at nine o'clock uh, later that uh, yeah. later that morning. Exactly. It's pretty. It's it's exactly. pretty. It's a pretty amazing way of life. No. I really do. I really. It's very fulfilling. Very meaningful. You know, Chinuch is. My father was in Chinuch. Um, he still is. Baruch Hashem. And is and, it is um, it five is it yeah. five days or six or four? How does it work? It's six days. It's six days. And and when I travel for for you know to to perform or for engagements, it's it's. I get back right away as soon as I can. I, I try try to miss as as least as possible and, and make. And make it up with some great teaching afterwards. Yeah, that must be rough because, well, I don't know if you're the type of artist that would be involved in the 2, 3, 4 a.m. sets, but there are nights that you're back really late, especially if you're in a place like Lakewood or other other areas. It's not, exact, yeah. not exactly easy. Yeah, yeah. So we try to make it up other nights of the week with a little more sleep and an extra large coffee the morning after. What are you teaching today? Your, your class, your sheer, it will be for what age and will be in what topic? <laughs> I'm teaching fifth grade, Yeshiva Katana Waterbury. I have uh, Kanan Hara 26 Talmidim. And I, we just started Gemara, actually. Haskalos Gemara was about a week and a half ago. So today we're learning the sugya of Kav Ba'ar Ba'amais on Dafchaf Aleph Amad Aleph in Eilu Metzias. All right, so you're in Baba Metzias, and, um, and, uh, and you're literally just starting. Mean, they're, get, they're getting their, their very first taste of Talmud study. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's great. It's great. Very yeah. interesting, and and these students of yours are from families mm-hmm. who are, who originate from where? Because Waterbury or the prior generation to these fifth graders are really people who've been all over the place, right? Brooklyn, Lakewood, or, or any Jewish community yes, around the U.S. Yes, it's a, it's a melting pot of people that sort of want to live out of town but not so far away from family. So yes, Brooklyn, Lakewood, Muncie, you know, and then. Of course, Toronto, right. um, all Jewish neighborhoods. You, you name it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and your brother had a lot to do with the founding of this uh, of, of of this place. Oh, that's well no- um, that's well yeah. well noted, and uh, yes, there's no question. We're quite proud of that. Rabarak Levine is with us. He's getting set in under an hour to address his fifth graders, but first he's addressing us about a brand new album entitled <laughs> Pedusra. And, and now I, I hopped by the way when I saw the album cover. The V in the I means it's the sixth album you put out, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I said. I said to myself, "There's no way he changed the color on those two letters without a purpose," and I guess that's the purpose, right? <laughs> Although I Very see, you, yep. I see you changed the letters to Pedusha, the D and the U, also, but that's probably just random, right? That's probably a graphic yeah, artist kind of, figured, you know, right. interpretation right. or whatever. That's, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> It's fun, it's funny to discuss album covers in an era where very few people are looking at album covers, but for those who see I, it, you're right. Yeah, for those who see it, they'll, right. know, they'll know exactly what I mean. Rebarak Levine is with us. By the way, just a note before we talk about Pedusra and the other songs, um, I love over these years, and I'm doing this a long time, as you know, I love highlighting when members of the Jewish music world, those who are looked to for inspiration, etc., uh, I love highlighting when when. When when some of those members look, not everybody has the capability, or you know, are, are you know, are guided in that way. But when when people who are in the industry spend a good part of their day in Torah study, or in your case, a good part of the day not only yeah. in Torah study but transmitting that Torah to others, I think that's very significant to mention. And and you would be able to tell me. I don't know if you know. If, I, mean, I would think you could put this into words because I'm sure you feel that it's true. That that it's that experience in both the classroom and your own Talmud and Torah study, which really helps you transmit the the feeling of our people through the music to the audience. Am I right about that? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Music is chinuch. Anytime a person is influencing, you're being it's 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 chinuch. It's you know giving something over and and being in that environment is is invigorating and you're in touch with people and you're communicating with people and. Getting a getting like like what you said a feel of of the generation and what's out there and the messages that talk to them and uh, absolutely do a lot of, and and there are a lot of very I hesitate to I hesitate right now to mention other names because we're focusing on your work but there there are people well known who 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 do this type of thing transmitting you know the inspiration of our people through music who actually tell us that they compose. Or that songs come to them, or ideas come to them in the base medrash, meaning that you know, as they're walking. Sure. As, oh, so you'd agree with that? You'd agree that just sure. being in that environment of Torah gives you a, I don't know, like an a, a, an extra layer of of inspiration, an extra layer of uh, of of, of um, I don't know, uh, of coming up with a with a with a great product, yeah. of coming up with a great song. A hundred percent. So many, so many songs have come as a result of. Something that we were learning that day. Just last night, I was learning Masilsi Sharim, and I came across some words that I started humming something, and that's how that's how things are created. You can't fabricate it. You can't just say, "Oh, okay, now we're going to write a song." It has to come from something that's churning inside. You know that 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 creates that. Oh, so yeah. if someone comes up to you and says, I have the most amazing words that I came across for a song, you get that. You're like, you know, you understand that they that it hit them as they yeah. were as they were sitting and reading them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pedus yeah. may not those words may not be as familiar to people <laughs> as some other songs <laughs> because it comes from Zmiris on Matze Shabbos. For those for those right. who spend their Saturday night making sure to say Zmiris, uh, they'll find the words <laughs> they'll find the words Pedusha. Uh, a lot of people will argue that Matzei Shabbos, the Zmiris, are often very slow and, you know, have this 
a tinge of, uh, of I wouldn't say sadness, but melancholy to them because, you know, Shabbos is drifting away or already has, you know, almost completely drifted. Uh, but you went ahead yeah. and, and composed a, a really fast-moving selection for Beduska. Yeah. It, it, a lot of songs are, inter- a lot of times it's interpreted, interpreted both ways. And you're absolutely right about not to Shabbos Zemiris. But, you know, now now we're in a generation also where a lot of these songs, you know, are given over in a faster way, and right. it's a song about redemption. So we're 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 we're, we're dancing for the redemption that's going to happen, visualizing it. Shakim to Shakim b'Teicham Tzvi as Elio Anavi. You know, we're we're already there. So there's two ways to look at it. There's the way to look at it like let's get there, and that's you know, and then no, we're already there. Let's visualize ourselves there and dance with Elio Anavi and Shalayim. You know. And how many times have we done the slow Zemiris Matzah Shabbos, and because of the, <laughs> and because of the guys who are around, it turned into a big dance, and it turned into a oh a, for sure <laughs> exactly. So so there's for that sure. as well. By the way, just to be clear, um, just to be clear, there are there are I guess we'd say artists, composers, a group of people in Waterbury involved in their own music projects. It seems to be because we've we've featured a Waterbury album here at JM in the AM. In addition yeah, in addition to yeah. that in addition to that my kids are always showing me videos of of quote unquote Waterbury selections that are going around. So number one, we should, yeah. number one, we should mention that obviously your projects are separate from those, right? I mean, uh, although I did see you included yeah. some Waterbury choir members in your uh, in your album, yes. But but th- those yes. are separate. But what what is it up there? Are all yeshivas producing their own musical <laughs> category, or is this yeshiva? I don't know. Just somehow at the forefront of all this. So so aside from Waterbury being a community, like I said, of families that you know decided to move out of town, they also have. A high school. It's actually half an hour away in Durham, Connecticut, where a lot of boys um, come, and that's where they grow. And they they come from, you know, they, they some of them have had challenging experiences in the past. They have an amazing manager of Daniel Kalish, who is really given over to them, Meister Nefesh to them. And of course, music is something that they encourage and promote, and they'll give the, these boys. Everything they need to su- to succeed, put up a music studio there. So a lot of creativity comes from that, uh, that's and I think thing. that's what that's the music you're hearing. It's wow! Great, great, yeah, how unique these days to provide students with what they need to succeed, to provide students with an avenue yeah. that they could express their Yiddishkeit. That's a good. It's a good idea. Now we're It's amazing. It's a good they, idea, they, and, and they they come up with good stuff, and it gets out there, and. And um, yeah. yeah, some of it. I'm telling you, some of it goes viral. Once, once every generation in my house is talking about it, you know it's going viral. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we should mention you. You composed or co-composed every song on this album, all twelve of them, right? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I always viewed myself as first and foremost a songwriter. Right. The singing actually came later in my life. Yeah. Uh, the Paduska song arranged by Avrami Burko. We're going to move now to the Akiva Nicham Tanu. Uh, the lyrics are by Ruchi Targo, and uh, this was arranged by Leib Yaakov Rigler, who you know was introduced to us years ago. The guy's a genius. I mean, I'm sure you know that. Yes. And you composed yes. the song. It's an English song called Akiva. Tell us what it's about. So Akiva Nichamtanu was inspired a few years ago. A friend of mine lost his father, a very close, close friend of mine. And he's, he's actually a, a head of school in Los Angeles in Maimonides. And he came to me and he said, you know, Baruch, this this Gemara really talks to me because it talks about 
seeing the 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 geula or smiling through tears. Rabbi Kiva was up there in the Harabayas, him and his friends, the, the other his old Hanoim, and they saw the Churban Abayas, and of course the famous Gemara. He was laughing, and they said, Rabbi Kiva, why are you laughing? And Rabbi Kiva, you know, he he, he quoted the two the two Nevi'im, Uriah and Zechariah, that, and he said, if I see this destruction, it means Hashem said that this is going to come before the geula. This yeah. needs to come before the geula, so it's coming. So it's really like a song, like sometimes songs are so, you know, they're sad and sad. People like to, to sing sad songs and get into them. But it's really a song about hope. You know, it's smiling through the tears. And I think that today also people are going through, you know, Cyrus, but we really see it. We see the gula in front of us. And, and Akiva Nichamtanu, it's like Rebbe Akiva, our Rebbe, you're everyone's Rebbe, Rebbe Akiva. You know, B'nai Akiva, it's all comes from Rabbi Akiva. You've comforted us with this message. And, and you know, Mrs. Ruchi Torgo really helped me get that out with the lyrics. Reb Baruch Levine um, is with... Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Reb Baruch Levine is with no, us. No. By the way, uh, I, I know that this sometimes does uh, come to people's attention. Um, I believe I'm right. I said it earlier this morning on the air. I believe I'm right that although generally people address you as Rabbi Baruch Levine, in this context, you are fine with us referring to you as Baruch Havid, correct? Yes, just absolutely. Ma- just making sure I don't want to get anybody upset out there. All right, the song <laughs> yeah. is called Akiva. Reb Baruch Levine is with us live via telephone as we celebrate the release of a brand-new album entitled Pedusha. It's a new music alert Tuesday. This song is called Akiva, and you're listening to JM in the AM. sacred home where our base Hamikdash stood now the foxes roam overcome with grief by their awful plight such a desecration to the holiest of sights but one man shed no tears he just stood there laughed and smiled He answered their confusion and explained This destruction was foretold Before our home is built anew So I smile as I see those words come true And though we wait for so many years Our faith remains the same That soon the time will come when we will know of no more pain And though we've cried so many tears We are comforted by you Akiva, Akiva, Nihamta But we have known it would take this long Clinging to your hopeful words, trying to be strong You're the one who taught 
that we too can find. Beyond the pain and sorrow, there is a greater plan in mind. That one day we'll see the glory of our eternal base amygdosh. As the sounds of laughter fill our streets again. Our elders and our children in the city of our king. And though we wait for so many years, our faith remains the same. That soon the time will come when we will know of no more pain. And though we've cried so many tears, we are comforted by you. And though we wait for so many years, our faith remains the same. That soon the time will come when we will know of no more pain. And though we cry, so many tears, we are comforted by you. J.M. in the A.M. We're calling this a new music alert Tuesday. You know why? Because Rebar Levine is with us live via telephone all the way from his classroom in Waterbury, Connecticut uh, to speak to us about the brand new album, Bedusha, that's called Akiva, another one of the uh, compositions that, of course, he he composed and um, uh, arranged, as we said, by uh, Leib Yaakov Riegler, who is an an amazing and incredible arranger. Uh, Rebar Levine with us live via telephone. We talk about the brand new album. You still get an opportunity, based on what you told us earlier, to get out there to weddings and different events and to uh, entertain people and really inspire them live and in person. I'm sure you still enjoy that. Are you there, Rebaruch? Huh, did we lose him? Rebaruch, are you there? All right, seems we lost him. Let's see if we have him back. Rebaruch, are you there? Sorry, I lost you right when the song was ending. <laughs> I, I said that you're sitting in your classroom in Waterbury speaking with us on this new Music Alert Tuesday about the brand new album, Bedusha. And then I mentioned you still get an opportunity to do live shows, meaning concerts, and in addition to be at Simchas, Kumsitzes, etc. Are you still enjoying being at the uh, live presentations? Very much so. Very much so. Communicate with people and, and see, watch their reactions and... And the feedback, I love getting feedback. It brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction. It's great, yes. How long would it take me to drive from Lower Manhattan to Waterbury? 
Lower Manhattan's going to take you an hour and 45 minutes. Upper Manhattan's going to take you an hour and a half on a good day. So it's basically a ride to the lower Catskills for those of us, for those of us who are uh, yeah. considering coming and visiting you. <laughs> Something like that. You're all welcome. We have a nice pizza shop and a deli, and it's all in one place, and that's about it. <laughs> Did you? Um, and you're up there. How many years? Almost uh, fifteen years. Fifteen, 15 years, years. Yeah. And, and in fifteen years, I was, my wife and I, we were the we were the thirtieth, I think, family to move here, and now in Hara, there's like uh, three hundred or more. Unbelievable. Whole thing is incredible when you think about it. All right, Tuesday morning, it's JM in the AM. We mentioned the new music alert. There's a song called Lo Alecha. On the brand new album, Lo Alecha is composed by you. Lyrics again by Ruchi Torgo and yourself, Baruch Levine. Arranged by Yitzi Spinner. I see you're using different arrangers depending on the song, huh? That's right. That's right. We got to see what fits best. I've, I've, in the past, I've arranged some songs myself too, but Yitzi, um, Yitzi is perfect, perfect for this song. He's very musical. He used to be a big soloist man. The boys choir right. does a lot of uh, arranging. Yeah, he's great. And what made you invite Ellie Schwebel to be part of this selection, Lo Alecha? So Lolech is a, it's a message that, you know, A.B. Rottenberg, a lot of his songs, he has great messages that are given over with a little humor. Um, Ellie's personality, it comes out through his voice, and he has the ability to get people emotional and, and get people to laugh. And this, this song, Lolech, is another English song. We have a few English songs on this album. Right. Also, by the way, inspired by your brother, yeah. by Nate. I was at, I was at a Kumsitz with him um, for Vaharavna. And while we're in the middle of singing and he's speaking and he turns around and he says, Baruch, let's do Lolech. And I'm thinking, Lolech? You mean from like NCSY 1980? Lolech, yeah. right? A great song. So I'm like, great song. Great song. But I don't know if the, I don't know if, you know, kids know that right, today right but 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 his the message and i'm like you know what this this is such a great message let let me take this you know it's it's perky this is like sure. the oldest muster shoes we have right and put it to <laughs> yeah put it to something english this is what this is what this, this is what the tanayim used for muster seder <laughs> <laughs> right right <sighs> Exactly. It was a very, very so small Musser safer shelf, you know, in that base bedroom. Very tidy. Mm-hmm. You know? It was it, that was it. that was legitimately a fifteen minute Musser Musser Seder. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. so there you have it. All right, Lo Alecha. It's brand new. It's Baruch Levine and Company featuring Ellie Schwebel on this one. Lo Alecha on the brand new album Beduscha. A new music alert Tuesday at JM in the AM.
inspired me, I took them all to heart. So many things to work on now, I don't know where to start. I can't let this inspiration simply pass me by. Cause I won't know my potential if I don't even try. Is by Yakil and Kudai. I don't know if I can ever hope to lay it right. And I might not even finish, but I'll work every night. <laughs> me with the chevre on the bus because I told my wife and kids I'll be Messiah got to shot oh I know that in the future it can get real tough but every single fucking mother is important enough Keep in mind the words our sages teach No, it's not our job to finish But we must attempt And even when it feels impossible We're still not J.M. and the A.M. Song featuring Ellie Schwebel, composed by Baruch Levine. Lo Alecha here on a new Music Alert Tuesday. The brand new Baruch Levine album is entitled Pedusra. He's with us live via telephone on a J.M. and the A.M. Tuesday morning. Nice song there, Baruch. Lo Alecha is the name Thank of that you. one. Yeah, good tune. Any early uh, students in so far this morning, or they don't show up till 9 o'clock? Mm, no, sometimes they trickle in at 
10 to 9. But they wait outside so we get the room nice and ready. Will you, Every day we got to... <laughs> will you be mentioning to them how you spent the 8 o'clock hour this morning? You know what? If I need to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going, I'm going to see... You know, sometimes you always got to, you know, what? it's just a surprise. I, I have it in my back pocket, and I'm going to throw it out there when I need it and get that attention, and then I'm going to, you know, going to go going to go hard with the Gemara. See, I wonder if um, <laughs> I, I wonder if it's a if it's a good message for fifth graders that there is a uh, there's an industry of complete um, spiritual desolation. Uh, the radio industry, which we, you know, the majority of which we would never recommend to anybody, including kids, uh, that has a couple of outlets, or in my case, maybe I'd say one, uh, that, you know, pr- transmits and inspires and uh, helps people in the Jewish world really start their day in a proper way. I wonder if that's a good message to for transmit sure. to fifth it graders. Sure is. And yeah, it for sure is. And also, I think that, you know, in a way, they, they I have a very normal relationship with my, my Talmudim and vice versa. But I think that they're proud that the Rebbe reaches people, you know, this way. Interesting. And uh, you're absolutely right. Interesting. That's really that's cool. I like that. So they so they ask you if you're if you are at a at a, at a beautiful wedding or at a beautiful event, they'll ask you about it and 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 ask to uh, to to review it for you, for them, if you will. They will. They will. And it's a chance to teach and it's a chance to 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 educate and and for sure. Yeah. Very nice. You should know. There's so many people. Like I walk around whenever I'm on with you. You know. Later in the day, I meet people by Minchan Marev here in Waterbury, and, and lots of people say, oh, I heard you this morning. You know, so well, hello, Waterbury. Everywhere. Hello, big shout-out to Waterbury. There you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll make it up there one day and visit, because I do hear it's uh, certainly a unique community. All right, we're going to wrap. I would. I, I, oh, you'll, for sure. I appreciate that very no, much. No, I would love to have you here. would love to have you here. We'll give give you the whole tour, the whole the whole runaround. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right, so we'll wrap things up with Shalom Rav. This is a song that you composed. It's arranged by Yanki Briskman, who we always think is a brilliant uh, a music, music music mind, a real genius. Uh, it features yeah. Simcha Liner. How did Simcha Liner sneak into the Shalom Rav selection? We, Simcha and I were at a wedding in Chicago, a good friend of ours, and um, they are you know, about a week before the wedding. They're very special people. I, I don't want to just come and do the wedding. I wanted to... to to try and attempt to compose a new Birchas Abayas kind of song, and nice. it's always hard to compose something which there's already yep. something existing. Go, go, and I wrote go, the original Birchas Abayas song. That's correct. So I had to outdo myself. <laughs> that's correct. Or as some people like to say, go write a new Mivan Siach, right? <laughs> right. Very hard. So Simcha was singing with me, and, and then after the song, he says, Baruch, this is such a great song. Put it on your album, and I want to join you. Wow. And and that's the story behind it. Yeah. Very nice. All right, it's called Shalom Rav. It's how we're going to wrap things up. I take this opportunity to wish you continued Hatzlacha. I really thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. I've, obviously, as we've mentioned, you have a uh, you have a very very uh, hard committed schedule each day, which is uh, uh, it's flattering for us that you fit us in. And I wish you the best of luck with all of this. And uh, recommending to everybody to go get Peduscha. I assume it's available at all the traditional. 2019 venues, right? Whether it be online or in the stores, correct? That's 100%. And I welcome everyone's feedback. They can email me, info at baruchlevin.com. I I love, I'm getting a lot of nice feedback. And thank you for having me. And and what you're doing is great. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day and and, and a good chaydish. A good chaydish. Much thanks for all of that. 
and continued Hatzlacha. He is a Rabbi Baruch Levine. He's out with a brand new album, his sixth. It's called Peduscha. It has been an amazing uh, hour with him, or just under an hour with him, and the uh, new music alert Tuesday is a success, as we have alerted everybody to the brand new album, Peduscha, which includes this song, Shalom Rav. Our big thank you to Rabaruch Levine on a Tuesday morning at JM in the AM.
That was my conversation with Baruch Levine about the brand new album entitled Peduscha. Um, the brand new mayor of Englewood, New Jersey, is somebody who served as mayor years ago. The Honorable Michael Wilds is back as mayor of Englewood. He was recently uh, sworn in by the governor of the state of New Jersey, and we had an opportunity to speak about Englewood and about his expertise, which is immigration law, on a recent edition of JM in the AM. The Honorable Michael Wilds, mayor of Englewood, New Jersey, now on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Our good friend, Mayor Michael Wilds of Englewood, New Jersey, is, in fact, mayor again. You might recall that in the early part of the 2000s, he served as mayor of Englewood, New Jersey, for six years. And um, very recently, on Election Day, was, I guess we'd call it re-elected, right? Even though there's a a break, I would assume we could use the term re-elected. And now again, after his swearing in this week, he is mayor of Englewood, New Jersey. I said this morning we're going to have the opportunity to highlight people from within our community who are uh, representing us very well in some very interesting arenas. He, of course, in the area of government. Mayor Michael Wilds, congratulations. Mazal Tov, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Shalom Aleichem to you and the audience as well. It's a pleasure to be back. Why a decision to go for this again? You put in a great stint the first time around. It is unusual, you have to admit, in American politics or the American government scene to see someone uh, you know, leave the position and then come back years later. Why the impetus to be mayor of Englewood again? I had the uh, privilege of being elected twice to the city council starting in 1998 and then twice as mayor from 2004 to 2010. But I took a break, in all honesty, to raise uh, my family <laughs> and move forward and, and make sure that our firm, we practice immigration law, was uh, in good hands and so forth. Simply put, the kids growed up, and, uh, and truthfully, the firm, thank God, is in good stead. And I missed being involved 
in public service. I am a member of Hatzalah for more than 26 years now, uh, since before my children were even born. And Chesed and, and getting involved in community was kind of in our DNA. And I didn't like the direction that our community was heading in, where I saw not only people from our, our community, our Hever, but others throughout the city were being priced out of being able to live in what was not just a bedroom community historically uh, to Wall Street, but a very diverse and very strong um, middle-class community, and it needed more hands on deck. And I had a contested uh, primary and came through, uh, thankfully, with a two-to-one uh, win. I had to literally hit over 5,000 doors, knocking on doors to the point that I ended up uh, needing surgery on my ankle after the primary. And then oh, I had boy. a very... I had two opponents in the uh, general election, too. Very different than Teaneck and other communities in New Jersey, in which the mayor is actually elected directly from uh, the constituents as opposed to the uh, city council selecting uh, the mayoralty. And I had the the privilege of having the governor actually uh, swear me in. And I took precautions by getting sworn in literally on midnight, and I think I saw you at a chasna that night. That's correct. Midnight, uh, Monday night, December 31st, which turned into January 1st, you had the unique um, uh, experience of being sworn in by Ambassador David Friedman, and of course, as you mentioned, the formal ceremony, and uh, I guess even more recognized ceremony, to be fair to the governor, <laughs> uh, later on uh, by the governor of New Jersey. Mayor Michael Wilds is with us from Englewood. You know, and I saw you at that wedding, and it was a reflection for those of us who, you know, who, who make the rounds and see what's going on at different events in the Jewish community. It certainly was a reflection of just how strong the Englewood Jewish community has become. It, it must be much different than your first time around, just our community in Englewood. I know that the broader Englewood community and town is is certainly different. Why wouldn't it be all these years later? But am I right that it's a different Jewish community than years ago? It, is, it has developed uh, exponentially. I had also um, a little to do with uh, the Kesher uh, Shul, the synagogue that started there, East Hill, and there was generally resistance, not from the African-American or the Latino community, but from secular Jews. And now there are two or three other major communities that are looking to nestle themselves uh, in Bergen County, as we see Teaneck and Bergenfield and scores of other areas now expanding their borders. Yeah. Uh, people want to live close to uh, not only Manhattan, but they want to be close to resource and um, and Englewood uh, boasts that kind of uh, constituency. And in all truth, the uh, it's for any community to remain stagnant and not grow differently isn't part of the American experience. And it's a wonderful privilege. I'm impaneling a cultural affairs commission, and I have just as many pastors, rabbis, and I have an, even an imam now that's developed in the community. And each person is so anxious to get to know the other community, and it's really a beautiful uh, thing to see that Despite the passage of time and some of the challenges, some things actually got more beautiful. You know, I, uh, I mentioned that because of the nature of our guest list today, coincidentally, uh, you know, we're speaking to a, a lot of people on the air this morning who are representing us really well in, in different arenas. And what you just said in terms of the outreach, at least that's how I'm, I'm interpreting it, the outreach to different religions, different leaders, uh, trying to build bridges, trying to find common ground, etc. I, I would guess that's the key. You know, people wonder... How could you, a, a noticeably and certainly known to be an Orthodox Jew, how could you uh, go ahead and not be met with you know, so much resistance and so much uh, uh, criticism at times by you know, members of other communities? But you've made the effort to, to show that you care about everybody 
and that there's an opportunity to work together to make uh, to make the town grow. Would you agree that that's uh, basically the recipe for success? Absolutely. Uh, Nachum, you and I went to the same high school, Rabbi Riskins, in Riverdale. There was a very special DNA in my home uh, in Forest Hills where I grew up, where there was more water placed into the soup if there was a stranger in shul. And there was no difference when I went on a Hatzalah call and I was dispatched what color, what religion, or what uh, circumstance the person I was treating uh, was in. And frankly, in my uh, professional life, I happen to have the privilege of being uh, the president's immigration lawyer of choice for 15 years before he became president and his, and his family. So despite my party affiliation and my being a very proud Democrat, I embraced the privilege of actually being able to counsel uh, the first family on immigration matters and took that responsibly. And people in a community will see what you do. They will not um, listen to words. They have no patience for politicians. And circumstance has to change. You have to get not only good results, but to develop a very strong relationship, and they're watching. And that's why you're always around the corner from either potential sanctification of God's name, Akira Hashem, or Chil Hashem, if you don't do uh, the right thing. And right thing sometimes means walking with a police car next to you five, six miles just to greet somebody on Shabbos that you don't know, but you understand is held in high esteem in another community. You know, and, and if you look at the people, and you know plenty of colleagues, you know, some on one side of this issue and some on the other, you know, plenty of people, you know, who, who are noticeably Orthodox Jews who really represent us well and accomplish what you just described really nicely, and others, unfortunately, who don't make the same efforts, and there's a lot of contention uh, often a lot of grief, uh, you know. Sometimes a, you know, a lot of ruffling of feathers. And and if if they just knew that a <laughs> that that a little bit of uh, a little bit of compromise and a little bit of uh, outreach goes such a long way, would be such a difference. I'm not saying I'm not saying there aren't people out there there that are out to 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 you know make their point and and sometimes stop our community from doing different things for different reasons. But I just I just feel that you know when 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 what represents us well, I think the others respect that. I think the experience has really changed also because of technology. Um, there's less paper, more um, transparency that's required because everyone's got a camera and a video, right. and your comments are now being made literally in real time. But you're you're well, you're articulating uh, well the the notion of not only Tikkun Olam, the notion that we have to improve uh, the community around us, but we have to earn that trust. The only stable thing growing up in the tri-state area, I remember as a kid when I would spend the weekend in Eggwood with those magnificent trees and they stood deferentially and, and as the namesake of the city um, not caring um, who was living underneath them but kind of creating a canvas that where everything would flourish and if you sat where I sat the other evening when I was sworn and you looked out people of all faiths, of all rank, of all ages, of all color, um, and you realize that there's so much more in common that we have, and it's so important given the politics of Washington that we get our act together so that we can improve things um, as a nation and take stock in the resource that we have. The greatest resource Angwood has is not those wonderful stores and restaurants, but it's the people. And once you herald that and, and really live with that, um, I think residents kind of get it in their DNA. I'm going to be hitting all the schools and working very hard to make sure that we 
face the financial challenges uh, together. And they work with the city council and promote people, even who didn't vote for me, or Dafka because they didn't vote for me, to regain their trust. All right, uh, Mayor Wilds, I would be remiss on this Wednesday morning after the after last Tuesday night, uh, uh, knowing that you're uh, an immigration lawyer and somebody who did serve as federal prosecutor in the Eastern District and yet a member of the Democratic Party, as you described earlier, I would be remiss if I didn't get your opinion on what's happening now in Washington and whether, in fact, the president's uh, fears and directives are are correct and accurate, and whether his opponents are uh, correct and accurate in the assertions that they're making. Well, I can just tell you that it's the Wild West right now in the northern border. We have over 11 million people unlawfully present in America, and our president is fixated on building a wall in many ways, which is political uh, retribution and um, support for an extreme. We are a community, and that is, as a Jewish community, one of the passports, the biblical people of the passport. God's mercy that needs to be shown to people at risk. And while I do agree, people making a mad dash from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras are safe when they hit Mexico and they may be coming to America for economic change, our children are watching us. And for us to be in fear that every single person with an accent is a potential criminal, which is what the narrative of the media is putting out, is unacceptable because it could be us in another generation. All right, but you're one who, as I just described your resume, who who supervises as, and is directly impacted by our current laws. I would have to suspect, as you cite our community, it, our community was at the forefront of making sure to follow immigration law and become citizens of this country procedurally. Can right. I assume? Pre- can I assume? Can I? Can I? Can I assume you endorse that type of procedure? Oh, of course. I mean, a lawful process. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to keep out MS-13 or people that would cause us harm? On the other hand, if because of politics, a broken system set up by President Reagan a generation ago has not been replaced to meet the new normal, and employers now have to go through all kinds of contortions in policing immigration in their own a shop because the laws didn't advance themselves, or it takes you five years to move not only very close relatives, but employees that you need in your business, the system has to change. And building a wall with 11 million people behind it that don't have the right to be here is foolhardy when the northern border is porous. And it's just symbolism to a political extreme. And unfortunately, we don't have patience in this economy and in this uh, stage of our growth as a nation. We've already removed ourselves from other stains where we distinguished children from parents, where we separate a religion from entering a country, and we use dogmatic terms such as chain migration and anchor babies. I've never, in the 30 years that I'm practicing, saw a woman cross the Rio Grande so she can give birth to a child nine months later and then wait 21 years so she can be sponsored by the child. There are mechanisms in the law to protect us from people who would use our immigration laws against us. But unfortunately, this is not well-oiled. If you look at a country like Israel, who has used walls effectively, this is not the circumstance in our southern border, because it is not a travailed um, gate that will stop everybody. And again, we do have a border in the northern part of our nation where it's the Wild West. You have no idea what kind of nonsense is going on there, while everybody's poised politically in another derech. Interesting. Very interesting. I met someone yesterday from Yemen 
who at the age of 15 in 2011 first came to this country and now is a full-fledged U.S. citizen. Is that is that is that an exception or that's very common? That in that very per- common in that period in that period of time, one can legally become a citizen of this country. Absolutely, there are mechanisms that will give people a jump on citizenship if they have to work abroad or they're married to U.S. citizens. The laws are um, still on the books. The, the you know the experience that we're seeing now, Nachum, are people with visas getting green cards and people with green cards trying to get the golden grail, and that is. Um, uh, citizenship. And there's more of a push. People are more concerned. Uh, I wrote a book, um, Safe Haven in America, uh, that came out about four months ago. And Alan Dershowitz graced me by writing the uh, forward. And Mrs. Trump and Rabbi Sachs, both clients, gave me uh, blurbs and, and so forth for the book. There's a lot that's very special about our immigration experience. And when another community advances itself, it ensures that this golden experiment remains available to to uh, Jews. The, the thesis of my book was that America's golden doors need to be hinged open, ready to shut to protect ourselves, but hinged open to the next advancements in entrepreneurship and inventions that will help benefit us. And the greatest risk takers and entrepreneurs have historically been immigrants who become citizens and then employ citizens. Right. Very interesting. Um, finally, and I know that I promised you five minutes and we're way over time, uh, is New Jersey in good hands with the new governor? I think it's always healthy to have a changing of the guard. Um, certainly, the governor has a, a, a fantastic background and a lot of uh, wonderful support. Um, there is resistance in the different pockets, and I'm hoping that the Democratic Party will kind of get its act together. I think he's a gentleman, and I think that he could be very successful, and he has, on every instance, I'm talking text messaging, calls, and the and the few times that we've dealt with each other on matters of policy, uh, is not only a good um, articulation of what's best and needed for New Jersey, but he's a mensch, he's a gentleman who instinctively and genuinely wants to help people. So I feel that he could be a great governor. But it also takes uh, elected officials and constituents to give the gentleman a chance to. Interesting. Dershowitz wrote the foreword to your book. Yes. And um, and who published the book? The American Bar Association um, published the book, Anchorwick uh, Books, and uh, available uh, on Amazon. And other clients uh, such as um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Pele, and iconic um, individuals through the years that we've had this hood. My father was John Lennon's. Uh, immigration lawyer, um, to actually coin the progress and the lack of depth from Washington in this uh, space. But more importantly, there are about 13 wonderful stories. I I deal with the Israeli Witness Protection Service when they're trying to place uh, sometimes hardened criminals in the United States because of the delicacy of their testimony in other countries as well. So America's golden doors have been travailed by scores of very interesting defectors, whistleblowers, and cooperators, and we've had the privilege to be in the in the arena on some of these very important defectors. And those stories are in the book, huh? Yes, sir. How long did it take John Lennon to become a citizen of the U.S.? Well, he wasn't a citizen when he was uh, assassinated. He was a green card holder. Wow. At the time, President Nixon wanted Lennon out, and it's there's a whole chapter in, it, in the book, because the 18-year-olds were first given the right to to vote, it was reduced from 21 to 18, and the perception was that if John Lennon were allowed to go on against 
of Vietnam, he would then control the Committee to Re-elect the President, CREEP, was the right. acronym. So they decided to use a drug charge to get John out. And there's a Shomer Shabbos uh, lawyer, my dad, who's 39 years old, and says the law requires somebody to have marijuana. He was convicted of hashish, which is not marijuana. And he never had the intention when he pled to a crime and that, that uh, you know, that uh, shocks our laws here. Then through the Freedom of Information Act, using it as a litigative tool so that there was a selective uh, effort uh, to prosecute the famous Beatle. Out of that case, Nachum, was the articulation first, the codification ultimately of the notion of prosecutorial discretion. So there are about 900,000 DACA recipients now that have a scholar and uh, a uh, dreamer um, to thank. My father and John, even after his green card was awarded, worked very hard to discover this prosecutorial discretion. And that was the hook that President Obama, who deported more people than any president at that point, used to protect these uh, good souls who, by the grace of God, did nothing other than come to the United States by their parents and an act that they didn't control when they were kids. So the, the John Lennon case is something I teach at Cardozo Law School. I have the privilege of succeeding my father as a professor there, and uh, is the reason that we're seeing now a debate in Washington. So for those who are listening, who are toiling in public service and professional worlds, you never know who you're going to meet or how you're going to change life. Just try to do what you can before you go to sleep each day to do something to advance it in your own space. I thank you not only for representing Englewood well, but for representing our people well. It's really a pleasure. Mayor Michael Wilds of Englewood, New Jersey, congratulations on again being mayor, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Nachum. Michael Wilds, he's mayor of Englewood. The book is, in fact, available on Amazon, Safe Haven in America, Battles to Open the Golden Door by Michael Wilds. It became available recently in September of 2018. That was my conversation with the Honorable Michael Wilds, Mayor of Englewood, New Jersey. Thanks so much for listening in and uh, for listening to JM Rewind. Plenty more coming up now with the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to keep it here all day long and enjoy our fabulous programming. Thanks for listening to the Nahum Siegel Network.